Welcome back to 9to5 Photographer, the podcast to help professional photographers and filmmakers get more shoots, make more money and spend more time doing the things they love. And for this episode, we have arguably the nicest guy on the planet. Casey Gutteridge is instantly likeable and he shares his story with us today. This guy has photographed more celebrities than you can shake a stick at, but he won't mind me saying it's not like he's an almost unreachable David Bailey or an Annie Leibovitch being a celebrity in his own right, but instead he's just like you and me. He takes photos for a living and he does this to pay the bills. So in this episode you'll find out how he started, how he grew, how he works with other freelance photographers as a virtual team, and then he talks a lot about the need to work alongside other photographers and the importance of giving and helping other photographers instead of seeing them as fierce competitors who are there to eat your lunch. Now, until recently, I didn't know Casey. He was introduced to me by Stephanie Belton, who joined us here back in episode number three. And I'm so pleased she did, because I already feel like Casey is a good friend of mine. And I think by the end of this episode, you'll likely feel the same way too. So come and step inside and listen in on our conversation. Casey, thank you for coming on to the show. How are you doing today? Ah, absolutely brilliant. Considering it's a Saturday during nearing the end of lockdown, I'm, I'm doing okay. All right. Well, tell me about your Saturday for, you know, for an example for this weekend. What kind of things do you normally get up to at the weekend? How does, how does your Saturday look today? Well, I'm a, a big coffee addict. So my like boost to get out of bed in the morning is just get a nice fresh coffee on. And most recently, I've been trying to um, get out and do a sort of 40 minute walk every day. And I try and do that around seven o'clock which is quite, it's good for the mind. It just helps me sort of clear and feel like I'm a human again. And I finally can like wake up and mm-hmm. plan my day. Mm. Uh, the majority of it, usually family related. So we would go and hang out and see each other's family, me and my partner. Um, but during lockdown, most of it has just been just the local area where I am. So I, I'm, I'm based up in Hitchin, Hertfordshire. Okay. And yeah. there are some really wonderful areas to do like really long walks that you can just get lost on and mm-hmm. you've got sort of like the country parks that you can disappear through nice. we haven't got any pets either so it's okay. like we, we keep looking at others who have got dogs and it's like oh should we just go and pretend to be <laughs> go on a dog walk with them <laughs> <laughs> well the whole world seemed to have got a dog during the lockdown mm. of course but you weren't one of those people no we it was we live in a flat and it was just too much of i think our life would be focused so much on the little doggy that mm-hmm. both me and my partner would probably never want to go back to work and we'd try and I don't know we'd end up becoming like those dog parents yeah yeah <laughs> it's just too much of a gamble I think I think we had to be too like the adult brain kicked in I was like not just yet <laughs> mm, maybe a little bit later <laughs> mm. now Casey you probably don't know this but since we connected I've been really looking forward to this episode uh, partly because on your website, you seem to have more photos of celebrities than a guest list for a royal wedding or something like that. <laughs> uh, we're going to come on to that in a moment, but we're also going to come on to your business too. But first of all, can you just give us a, a little bit more of a snapshot of your life? You know, just tell us a little bit about your, uh, you mentioned your partner, whether you have children, anything like that. So let's sort of rewind a little. Uh, I've always been born and bred in Hertfordshire, uh, originally from Potter's Bar, moved up the A1 to Hitchin. Um, very trendy now mm-hmm. uh, it's got nothing to do with the house prices <laughs> but my my background is um, I'm one of three kids so I've got middle child syndrome which is mm. always sort of uh, it's lovely to have you've got the older brother and the younger sister and it's me mm. in the middle mm-hmm. but uh, very much a family orientated um, slightly Greek background so my grandma was Egyptian my Ooh. granddad was Maltese okay. so it, it's always nice to have that um, that link there 
Yeah. And no kids as yet. Me and my partner, Isabel, we're waiting yet to get married. We've okay. had to push the wedding back three times now. Oh, no. So, yeah, we had like this beautiful plan of an Italian wedding September um, last year. Mm-hmm. And then it being the epicenter of the mm. world's coronavirus, we thought maybe not. Yes, we maybe got not. a lot of family. Mm. Yeah. yeah, we got a lot of family on both sides who are sort of, let's say, tender. <laughs> we didn't want to take okay. the risk of bringing them in. So yeah. we've had to push that back. But kids are definitely on the books. Like, can't wait to have them. And mm-hmm. I think we're still big kids. And mm-hmm. the, the ability to just bring that family together and just teach them and watch them grow, I think it's just an amazing, like... Mm gift to have yeah you're not wrong i've got two teenagers and uh it doesn't matter what anyone says about having teenage girls they are just great fun and uh they're they're not stroppy teenagers at all and i can definitely (laughs) tell you being a dad is such a great gift it really is it's just a learning curve like beyond belief oh yeah no it really is it really is a learning curve and you mentioned isabel and you mentioned italian wedding is that because you wanted to get married in italy or is she italian she no not italian she's actually um part Burmese and it's just wow. the Italy came into the context because our first holiday abroad we went there mm-hmm. and without being too romantic that's where we really fell in love oh. and it was it's just a fantastic place we found this wonderful venue in Florence that overlooks the Dumo mm-hmm. and it was like oh my god this is a dream wedding and we've not mm-hmm. really and still to the day we've, we've never been like we need to have a beautiful wedding with hundreds of people and it costs thousands mm-hmm. we've always been like we just want our immediate friends and family there and we've had to sort of just for the sake of having like you know too many delays Italy was just becoming a I think it's best to push that to one side so we might mm-hmm. go for a honeymoon there in a couple of months okay, when we actually right. do get married Right. But the rest of it, it's uh, we're staying in the UK, mm-hmm. <laughs> picking up the UK economy. <laughs> and and roughly, when are you thinking of getting married now, then? Uh, it's not roughly anymore. It's guaranteed. I said oh. to Izzy, it doesn't matter. Like, whatever the, the weather, the date, if we're allowed to, coronavirus lockdowns or not, it's the 8th of September. And it's actually going to happen but on that day. Awesome. It is. It is going ahead. I said, worst case scenario, it'd be me and her down the register office with all our friends on Zoom. And, and, <laughs> and a photographer. And yeah, it'd probably be me with a selfie stick. <laughs> so, Casey, tell me a little bit about the photography that you do. How does it break down into um, events and weddings and, and anything else? So more recently, the last couple of years, it's been a lot more uh, editorial and PR, so public relation photography. Mm-hmm. And how I ended up getting to that position, I studied uh, photography at A-levels and okay. was very fortunate to have one day a week at a local paper, which was the Wellin and Hatfield Times. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really good, like, easy way to like follow the photographer around. And as I finished my A-levels, the lady then went into um, a new position and she said, look, my job's up for the taking if you want to apply. Okay, And I, within a week of finishing school, I went straight into that job. Fast forward three years, I went to a national newspaper, which was a hell of a learning curve hmm. because I thought I knew how to take a picture. Hmm. And when you're working for the daily newspapers, they all of a sudden, you know, everything needs to be done quicker, faster, and hmm. you need to tell more in less amount of imagery. And I found then was my sort of niche, I would say, or my skill or super mm-hmm. skill was communication and listening to people and delivering what they asked for. And then PR and sort of events started to um, 
I don't know, just got a police car coming past. Not coming um, for you then? No, 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 I hope not. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> just quickly as well, how long um, are we wanting this to be? Because I, I can shorten answers if needs be. Around about 45 minutes. Excellent. That's fine. Uh, let me go back to... Where were we? What's the last thing you remember hearing? Uh, the police car. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. So I, I sort of found my super skill, which was... Uh, communication and really listening to what my clients were after and my current uh, or my boss at the time sorry he was taking me away from the PR uh, news stories and putting me more on the event stories okay and I actually preferred that because with journalism you don't really know what time you start and you finish and you would you could be sat outside people's houses all day for the chance of one picture I loved it and at the same time it was not really progressing as much as or as well as I wanted to for me, I wanted to try and like improve my actual skill set of photography instead mm. of just getting almost like being in the right place at the right time. And then th- that's when I just f- was very good at these events and making sure everyone had a nice time and th- the people I'd meet would all be like, oh, you're just really enjoyable to work with. So I set up my own company and I asked my boss, you know, could I do maybe two days a week freelancing and three days on the books? And he said, unfortunately not, it's got to be one or the other. And I saved up enough money went freelancing and started in January 2013. And I don't know why I decided to start in January because now I know January is the quietest time for events because everyone spent their money and <laughs> I had went like three weeks without any work. And I was like, oh, I've made such a bad mistake here. <laughs> but it just through the networking and the sort of contacts that I had known, it sort mm. of started to spiral and things started to drip feed through. And so... What's the breakdown right now then in terms of the different kinds of photography that you do? So an average day or week, Mm -hmm. I would say sort of 30% is products or imagery that is is going to be used for social media. Okay. So content creation. 20% will be video and similar thing. This could be like, as an example, uh, St. Patrick's Day, I've got a lot of clients who have bars or, or venues and they're doing takeaway drink kits. Okay. So yep. it would be very short social pieces that they can just have uh, like a, a, an explainer video of how to make the drink, for example. Mm-hmm. And the remainder of the time is probably a mixture of like video editing and drone related work. That's not me doing all of that now. Okay. As time's gone on, I've got a fantastic team that we work on like a freelance basis mm-hmm. just because I didn't want to take the gamble and employ anyone full time. Mm-hmm. Mm. So these are people uh, who are existing photographers in their own right and you buy in their services as and when you need them. Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. Yes. And I've got a dedicated videographer, Sam, and a dedicated Joan pilot, Jason. Okay. And it's sort of like we skill share. So together mm-hmm. we're like a, almost like a super team, which is really nice because if he's with a client, and they potentially are saying, oh, we need some photography or, or videography. He'll say, well, we can actually offer that as one package as well, mm. which I find, uh, especially in the PR industry, mm-hmm. uh, I find this, it's really helpful when we're continually adding value to mm. the customer. Mm-hmm. Because if you're on the return side of it, instead of having to go and find a, a drone person and then a photographer and then a videographer, mm-hmm. those steps of it's too much like, you know, it's three times the amount of work. Mm. We can just do that all with one phone call. Mm-hmm. And here's our proof of work as well. So we've got a very good, like, um, bank of imagery and videography and, and drone work, which is lovely because it's just, it's almost like two other people networking for you all the time. 
And do your customers know that they are drone pilots and videographers in their own right? Yes. So we, we always say to them, like, for instance, when it, when it comes to like Instagram as well, that's the one where each of them have all got their own individual pages. Okay. I'm very happy and, and comfortable talking about that as well. It's like I, I try and say to them, it, it's depending on the client, actually, I'd say. Mm-hmm. There's one client that we have who I think just for ease, it doesn't complicate it. We're just our one solid team. Okay. Yeah. But the majority of them, it's all about, you know, most of the people we're working for are freelancers working for a company as well. Okay. So it's almost like they're all white labeling for each other. Right. And it's just like, this is our hub and mm-hmm. these are the people I would recommend and mm-hmm. you're more than welcome to use them. But as a team, we work very often together mm-hmm. and we produce like really brilliant results time and time again and how do you find that that transparency helps when you're dealing with your clients in terms of them feeling comfortable with the way that you work do you find that that transparency is a good thing to share with your clients i think it's a really lovely sort of conversation starter because it shows not only that you know we're not trying to present ourselves as this massive organization Mm. we are Mm. a team of i say team as a collective of three people just wanting to to do what they love mm. and that usually is a really nice what would i say it's it's almost like uh you know when you get a group of friends together and everyone just has a nice time and they all click it's mm. the similar yeah. setup because right. the, the the one example client was um a local arbor company and they've got a new website that they needed doing and i've known the the owner for some time just because he lives in the same area okay and he's like I, i'm looking for photography and a video and he was just like and now i know you're a, ph- a photographer but i i know a videographer and he i said to him like if you want to these are the people i work with very often mm-hmm. would it help us to see like the, some of the work we've and projects that we've worked on together mm. and he took a gamble perhaps you could say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when he met us on the day because he, he's a business owner as well he he was like so do they work for you? And I was just telling him exactly the same as what I've said to you. You know, mm. we, we're all individual business owners. And he said, do you know what? It's actually really nice to see that because you're, it shows that you're, you're helping the community. You're helping find other people work. You're not trying mm. to be like someone who's pro- projecting something that they aren't. And I feel that it just broke down that barrier of getting to know the client on a, on a nicer, like mm. more easier to talk to basis. And surely as well, if you're saying that something such as drone photography isn't your skill, but it is this person's skill, it is Jason's skill, in your example, then it's also you demonstrating to your client that the bit that you do is your skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very much, it's you booking like me for photography, Mm. Sam for videography, Jason for drone flying. And Mm -hmm. and it's almost, you're you're offering the service as I'm delivering more services through mm-hmm. my sort of skill set and, yes. and that for me it, i just love i love how i can offer you know like uh, increased value and yes it does help win jobs at the end of the day because mm-hmm. it's easier for them to say you know I, I i like the work i've seen your work and we mm-hmm. post each other's work on on our own channels as well so mm-hmm. it's really important to make sure we're tagging each other in it uh, when i first started out in the photography industry there's so many people perhaps who not not purposely being mean, but they just try to get one up on you because you're in the same industry and it's a very fierce, competitive way. Mm-hmm. But I've always gone about it the complete opposite way. And for me, it's been, I'm not going to step on people to get where I want to go. 
mm-hmm. I want to help lift people up. And the more opportunities and work I can share to other people, mm-hmm. eventually, the more you give, the more you receive. It's, it's that really simple analogy, mm. isn't it? I remember not long ago having a conversation with someone in my family who's, uh, I won't like, a slightly older generation about that sort of approach of working, you know, the idea of helping other people get, you know, helping other photographers get what they want to do. And the advice that I was given was be very careful, Simon, because there's the marketplace out there and essentially you're giving away your future business. And and I remember saying, but there is so much business out there that I can't possibly do all of it. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. A hundred percent. I'm the same mindset of you there, Simon. I I think that there's only an amount of things you can do on your own hours in the day you know you can you can only be in a certain amount of places at one time and if a client was to come to me and say you know we've we've got a job in Scotland for example I would do my best to try and find through the contacts I know a client in Scotland you mean a photographer in Scotland a photographer in Scotland and even if it's if it's I mean, I'd love to go to Scotland. I'm not going to say no to that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if there's something that is just not viable like or cost-effective, mm-hmm. I would much rather say, you know, if, if we can't go, I mm-hmm. would recommend this person just mm. because I've I've worked with them. I used them before. And it's there's so much opportunity and work for others. And mm. I just feel like it doesn't hurt to be helpful to others. Mm-hmm. There's so many like if you were to list all the potential jobs and like for instance let's take headshots as an example Mm -hmm. if you were to list how many companies require headshots as a one-man band if you're working eight hours a day i do not think you could cover every (laughs) single company no so if you know if if you can manage it fantastic Mm -hmm. and if you can you know if your clients are flexible enough Mm. and you can book them all in brilliant but i just feel if there's something you can't do but you know someone who you could help it's only going to be adding value to your client and eventually Mm. that other photographer will think hang on my mindset of not sharing anything with my competitors Mm. that might change and they Mm. might do the same for you as well Casey I'd love to take it right back to January 2013 when you started Mm. and arguably I would say that starting in January in a really quiet time is the best time because if you can make it fly then then during the busy times Mm. it's, it's automatically going to come in but tell me a little bit about how you grew your business back then and, if any, what sort of marketing techniques you adopted in order to help it grow. Okay. I don't know if this is a, a like official, like the school of business, if this is the right way to do things. So, mm-hmm. And this is I love this question because I've got the confidence to say it now, but going back and uh, you know talking about it to other business owners, I don't know if they would advise this, but for me, I spent so long just face-to-face networking and I was doing it subconsciously since I was at my very first job I loved connecting with people and the more people I knew the more potential work I could get Mm. and I think that comes from my mum and my dad they're very similar in terms of just talking to people I was really shy at school as well I was the smallest in my class Mm -hmm. and I was just like I was very kind and polite and gentle with everyone but I just was struggling to find my voice hmm. and I remember the first couple of jobs I did at the paper my um you know doing a group shot and I had to speak up and I was like oh god this is horrendous and I used to use comedy as a distraction tool mm-hmm. so at that once I've sort of you know red face and blagged my way through 
a group photo, I would usually find someone who I knew was a nice person and just talk to them to make me feel a bit calmer and just feel like I can blend in a bit more. Yeah. And usually as a tool to to get that foot through the door would be, I'll make sure I'll send you a copy of the pictures. Please, you know, can I have your email address? Hmm. And I've always kept that, that contact book of people. And fast forwarding to 2013, I I think on Facebook, I must have put, you know, finally setting up for, for my own company now. But there was one person in particular who I met on a job at my um, newspaper career. And he was just a lovely person, really nice chap. And he phoned me up, uh, I think like a, a month before I actually left my job. And he said he's started a new PR agency and he's one of the board of directors. Okay. He really liked the way that we worked on the job together. Could you come tomorrow morning to Tottenham Court Road, the Centrepoint building, oh, and yeah. photograph this um, client? It's O2. It's our biggest like client and I said, "Well, I've got work tomorrow. I'm still working full time at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if my old boss will hear this, but I actually <laughs> called in sick for that morning because I just the gamble was worth it. Mm. And fast forward eight, seven, or eight years, mm-hmm. they are my biggest client. No, really? and it was just the trust was there. And time and time again, they needed a photographer who could get pictures in the paper. Mm. And that for, for me, in terms of if you were to summarize, what three strength have you got? Mm-hmm. One would be turning up on time and, and doing the job. Number two is the turnaround time. We, you would have your images within two hours. Mm-hmm. And finally, it would be being able to capture a photo that is newsworthy. And, mm. you know, the, the picture desks would pick it up, really. Mm. And fast forward another couple of weeks, they picked up IKEA as a client. Mm-hmm. And I managed to secure them a page three metro on awesome. the next story. Awesome. And they were a team of five PR in their company at the time and now they're over i think 74 people wow and okay. that that sort of like the butterfly effect there mm. was and still is my like ethos of the more people i talk to and show them and i make sure i add them on linkedin and i make sure i if they do something nice and they uh, are celebrating that online i make sure to um connect with them and, and congratulate them and celebrate because when them. they yeah and when they move to a new job and they say, oh, you know, they have to prove that they're good at what they do. Usually one of their tasks is organizing a photographer for a shoot. Right. And they're like, ah, subconsciously, yeah. hopefully, my name is in their mind as a, oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. It was a nice mm. experience. Mm. I, can know, I know someone who can help us. This is a slightly loaded question because I've got a feeling on this. But do you think that some photographers spend too much time focusing on, on their shooting technique and lighting and composition and stuff like that and refining that side of their business as opposed to refining how they present themselves. A one thousand <laughs> <laughs> percent. I'm really glad you said that. <laughs> That's exactly Absolutely. what I feel. For me, there are so many incredible photographers out there, but their business sense perhaps isn't as or they don't put enough time into their business growth. Mm-hmm. In terms of me as a individual, I don't know if this again is tied in with uh, being shy and you know when I wanted to just make sure I knew, or, or when I turned up to a job, I wanted to make sure that people took me seriously mm-hmm. because I started so young. People look at me as, oh, who's the junior? Who's the kid who's turned okay. up? Um, I always used to dress incredibly smart and make sure mm-hmm. my my hair and and well, now I've got a beard, but I didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. But making sure that everything was just flawless. Because mm. I thought if they can't visibly pick something out and mm. I look presentable and I can blend in with them, mm-hmm. I feel more in control. Mm. And mm. 
I, I find that half of the time now, more so, let's say 70% of the time, the photography is like a conveyor belt system. And I can do it with my eyes closed. I know the settings, the lighting, where to put things. Mm-hmm. And it's ticking a box. But if the client's happy, I'll stop. I, I'm not going to go spending so long, you know, finessing a technique. Because mm-hmm. the pictures that we pr- pr- provide, a lot of the time it's in a paper or online for a day. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they disappear. They're sort mm-hmm. of their time shelf, their, their, their shelf life has been used up. So where you have these sort of... Uh, I'm trying to think of some technical terminology here. I don't know, some cross lighting or some shadow that isn't in the place it should be or doesn't fall naturally. Yeah. My clients don't know that because they're not picking up on it. They just want to make sure that, you know, their product's doing what it says and the picture is pretty. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally agree with you, Simon. I think uh, spend less on the finessing the, you know, the aperture and the shutter speed mm-hmm. and spend those extra minutes, which turn into hours on networking and building up a a solid bank of people that you you know in the industry okay let me follow that up then with um do you ever think to yourself then what other photographers might think if they're looking at your photographs i realized that in the scheme of you running your business that doesn't matter at all but is there a Mm -hmm. part inside of you that ever gets concerned that you might be judged negatively by other photographers I'm not saying you're a bad photographer, by the way. I'm thinking about those people who do, you know, go that, you know, that nth degree in terms of the finesse that you mentioned mm-hmm. in their photographs. In the most honest answer, not at all. Awesome. Because without, I, I, I don't like to be sort of a big-headed person. I'm very much mm. a, very humble and keep things to myself. But if I'm creating that much attention, I'm happy because I'm doing something right. Mm. And uh, I, there's, a, there's a saying of... If someone else is talking about you, it's their opinion, not yours. Just leave them to it. Hmm. Because I've been in the same situation when I was younger where let's say we're outside Downing Street and there's a pack of 50 photographers mm-hmm. and they've all got give or take the exact same equipment of you. Mm-hmm. You're all in give or take the exact same position. Mm-hmm. And then when you see them on the newspaper uh, articles the next day, you think, how on earth did that person get something you know whether it's a catch light from one flash or just okay. that picture mm. you know like, mm. i'm thinking like the times front page and it's like where mm. how what did they use and what did they do yeah. and now it's more so i just know what works for me and mm-hmm. it's not that i don't care it's i don't pay attention to it i'd mm. rather use that energy and time to push myself forward even further love that love that casey tell me about some of the most fun shoots you've undertaken oh <laughs> there's actually there's two that are really just really wonderful interesting mm-hmm. you just love doing uh yeah. the, the the first one is for the launch of one of the star wars films mm-hmm. i haven't i haven't watched any star wars films by the way so just <laughs> I, I couldn't even blag the name of the film um <laughs> we just lost half our audience just yeah i know sorry guys <laughs> uh it was I th- there was a load of stormtroopers. I, was, I think we had 60 stormtroopers. Okay. And they were being led by Darth Vader. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why they decided to do it on a like Friday night. But because of the uh, NDA, so non-disclosure agreements, mm-hmm. they wanted to try and keep it as, as hush-hush as they could. Okay. And they decided at Canary Wharf Station to bring 50 to 60 stormtroopers in like a procession down the down the tube line mm-hmm. and uh, friday night in canary wharf at the time everyone was just like f- spilling out of the pubs 
Okay. So most of them are drunk, and they're, they're just the eyes of these people, like... <laughs> What on earth is going on here? There's so many stormtroopers just like back to back. And then we just proceeded to go onto the tube. And it was just one of these shoots you look back on, you think, that, what on earth were we doing? And it's just, it's just great fun. It was quite stressful because there's so much to do in such a short space of time. Mm-hmm. But it was just a wonderful shoot. Uh, one of my others was uh, we turned Trafalgar Square into Mars for the um, landing of the... Mars rover. Okay, yeah. And you know when you, you, you certain things you can control in terms of the, you know, the background, people in the way, mm-hmm. little things that are sort of you you notice when you're looking down the picture. Mm. This picture, it was a 5am start and we just had the most incredible crisp blue sky and uh, I I popped up this one massive pro photo light at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had an assistant with me and I was like, just we basically want to try and make this person just stand out and make it look really mm. abnormal as if we're not in London. So mm. I remember laying down on the floor and they've got all these boulders and everything um, surrounding the like Trafalgar Square <laughs> roundabout mm-hmm. and this spaceman in just an awesome suit against the blue sky. And I just loved it. It was one of the pictures still to the day when people are like, have you got one or two photos that you really are proud of? Mm. That That's one of them. It's just, it turns your, your head and you think, what, what's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you're, you're, you're talking about this and I'm, I'm having a quick sneaky look on your website and looking yeah. at that exact picture. But also while I'm here, I'm looking at uh, pictures of Richard Branson and mm-hmm. Anton Deck, David Coulthard, Nick Clegg. Prime, various prime ministers, Her Majesty the Queen. How does it feel when you're photographing people like this, of this kind of status? There are things that could go wrong, and photographers often fear about that. You know the mistakes that they might make. But how do you feel when you're mm. photographing them? So two angles with this. And Richard Branson was the first person that I sort of triggered this like thought cycle with. I watched him being interviewed for BBC News and I was in awe because I, I'm dyslexic as well. So reading and writing is not my strength. But to see him, I was like, wow, you know, this, this, this is going back seven or eight years now. Mm-hmm. And I was like this, you know, maybe if I if I talk to him, I'll become successful. And mm-hmm. there's something he might tell me that's a secret. And <laughs> I watched him being interviewed and he messed up about six or seven times. Uh, he was like, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'll get this right. And it was like, oh my God, people make mistakes. That's so mm. good to see. And it was that barrier of this icon suddenly dissolves. And as he finished the interview, uh, I said, Sir Richard, do you mind if we take a, a photo um, for, I think it was the Daily Mail at the time. And he said, absolutely. Like, let's, I've got to walk over to this side of the building. And he said, you know, what, what do you do? Uh, he, he actually cared and he treated me how I would like to be treated. And mm. I was like, this is such a comfort. And the first picture I took was horrendous. The flash just exploded in terms of brightness because it was against the black background. And I was like, right. oh, yeah, this looks lovely. And <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing I, I took away from that was if you ignore the subject matter in front of the camera, Mm-hmm. And you know how to work the camera if you were to photograph a random person in the street mm-hmm. and exchange that person for Her Majesty the Queen or mm. a Prime Minister. The technical side of the picture is very simple, mm-hmm. but it's just the the element of that you're in. And mm-hmm. going back to earlier where I we was saying about finessing an image, I try not to be too too sort of overconfident in terms of let's try something quirky. 
I would much prefer to get the safer shot. And usually those safe shots are the ones that work best. Yeah, I often say to other photographers that are starting out, when they're in a situation of photographing someone, I, I say to them, just get the shot first of all. And then if you've got time or the ability to, then get something else that's on top. But, mm. you know, if the person that you're photographing is about to move on, then don't waste time setting up another light because by the time you've done that, they may have gone completely. Then you've got nothing at all. Absolutely. It's, it's about ticking the box first, making sure that what you're being paid to do has been achieved. Mm. And then if time allows, you can then start to play around and that's in terms of being in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. is uh, early in my career when I was leaving my very first job Peter Jones from Dragon's Den was doing a charity golf day and it was in our area so I photographed that and this is one of the people I was like again just I want to learn from him I want to just see what he's doing that's different to what you know everyone else does and just for the skill set I had I put together on my laptop there two or three images and I showed them to his PA and mm -hmm. he was like these are amazing like please would you make sure you keep his details mm -hmm. and I said to him he's a charity organization that they fundraising for and I said if you ever need photography for any of your events please let me know and fast forward 10 years we're still working together he's sort of wow. a, a, a true wonderful person to work with but mm -hmm. the networking off the back of that it's almost like he's my advocate because he's mm -hmm. like oh if peter jones is using him can we use him as well like the simple the shots that we use for them are very straightforward but it's the way that you carry yourself when you're at an event to make sure that you know you you're dressed smart you're you know, smiling at people and it make it look like you want to be there as mm. opposed to you know turning up and making it feel like oh really let's take your picture please <laughs> it's, it's all about that persona of outdoing yourself and making sure that you are the very best version of yourself time and time again. So I've got a question here that I was about to ask, but I'm going to I'm going to change it a little bit. I was going to ask you if you were starting out today, what would you do differently? But actually, I'd like to know if you were starting today, how would you think differently? Oh, that's a very nice question. The way I'd think differently, well, as in, uh, would I change my current thought pattern now, or if I was back at day one of the company's just set up? Yeah, if you were starting out today, you know, if you could jump in a okay. time machine, what would you tell yourself? How would you reassure yourself, I guess? Okay. First of all, if I was in a time machine, I'd be like, that's amazing. I just, where oh. would I go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where would you go, actually? Do you know what? There's two, there's two things I'd go back to just before Facebook and Twitter and Instagram were a thing, and I would <laughs> invest every single penny that I owned into that. And then, uh, yeah, I'd probably be on a super yacht now with some friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right if, if i was to be if i was to go back and and tell younger casey to think differently mm -hmm. the first and most important thing would be do not worry about judging yourself or comparing yourself against others because that's something that i feel so many people especially with social media today get so caught up on looking at these beautiful pictures and these thousands of likes and hundreds of thousands of followers and just feel that they cannot ever be in that position so why mm -hmm. should i even bother starting that would be my main thing is if you have a passion or you are curious or you just want to go and attempt to make money and be financially dependent on yourself mm -hmm. take a step forward and do that mm -hmm. and secondly would be to just take that thought pattern of oh, i wonder if i should speak to that person and potentially connect with them just do it 
and if it, if you get a no, you've tried. But mm. there's so many opportunities. Although that I've I've had a load of wonderful opportunities, there are so many incredible people who I could have met and shared contact details with and I just didn't at the time looking back at it have the confidence just to go and say excuse me here's my card or can I send you a copy of the photo and it's just one of those like I don't know I'm very I'm incredibly blessed to have you know the the position I'm in now and it's it's lovely but it's just that curiosity of what would have happened if every single opportunity was taken up on that whole sliding doors scenario, the oh, yes. you know, comparing what would have been if this had happened or would have been if that had happened. Awesome. Casey, I'd love to unpack a little bit about uh, a little bit about you, actually. This is just for fun. What three things are you into right now that aren't anything to do with photography? Okay, so the first one is coffee. I just, I've, I've had so many, uh, the joys of being in so many different locations for jobs. I've had mm-hmm. the ability to go and edit and work from different coffee shops. And mm-hmm. I, I've almost become like a, a coffee snob, which is terrible. <laughs> and, <laughs> but that's the one thing that there's, there's a couple of fantastic places. If, if uh, you're ever in Dalston, check out All Press Coffee because it's one of the best coffee shops in the area. Okay. Um, that, that, do you know what? That's probably long term goal. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to own a coffee shop. And it's Ooh, just okay. going to be like a, a positive experience coffee shop. Mm. You can come mm. in. You, everyone just enjoys being there. They've got like healthy food and cake. Mm. And it's, it might be like, you know, Casio's coffee. <laughs> I like that. That's good. you got to get Peter McKinnon in. Oh, definitely. There we are. <laughs> um, number two, mm-hmm. uh, cryptocurrencies in terms of okay. trading. That's something that's completely different yeah and you're one of the few people that actually understands it then i guess understand it's a very very oof. i know blockchain technology and what it does and how it helps us but mm-hmm. in terms of uh just something to make your money make work for yourself mm-hmm. uh, i feel that that in the next five to ten years we will see a massive change in the way that we use currency and mm. the digital platform will take over um it's just if you look at trends based on where we were 10 years ago with credit cards to now everyone was skeptical and now it's daily and i just feel like an early adopter in something like that it isn't too isn't isn't going to be a bad thing do you think the fact that elon musk invested a big chunk of money in this about what was about a month ago was it do you think that's a yep. a, a good thing for it to gain more credibility 100% very clever technique he's used there as well because he's um the money he invested which then made the, the Tesla share price rocket. Mm-hmm. He actually like quadrupled his investment in terms of the value of the company of Tesla afterwards. Right. But it just opens the door for other businesses to lead and follow that sort of decision that make, he has made. And, you know, you can now buy a car using Bitcoin. And if you also look at PayPal, which is one of his former companies as well, they are integrating ethereum as payments as well so it's they're integrating what you can actually pay with using ethereum so ethereum is like the number two bitcoin um competitor okay so you've got bitcoin as number one it's like the the leading cryptocurrency and then Mm -hmm. ethereum is number two and without getting too technical here most of the smaller cryptocurrencies are all built off of the ethereum um network okay so Let's say in terms of volume, in the next five years, if there's another 100 million coins, mm-hmm. all built off of the uh, Ethereum blockchain, it's just volume 
versus price will eventually go up. Right, I see. Wow. Which is cool. It's like something from a movie, this, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. It is so... I've spent over the last year and a half just because I've had a lot of free time, just thinking how can I, you know, get into something that's interesting and, and is a money earner. And this was one of the sidelines. And I just, I love it so much because you can get a real buzz into it. But there's so many uh, potential uses of it. And I don't know if anyone's ever used a Monzo card, but if you look at how quickly when you were to buy something online and you get a, a confirmation on your phone within like a millisecond, a lot of that's down to blockchain technology and the, the way and the speed that it all works. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Mm. Mm. Which is very good. And the third and final one, ooh, I love rock climbing. Okay. I think that's just, just like a really, like, it's somewhere you can go and just de-stress, but not not being able to do that at all um, in so long. So uh, it, it's sort of rock climbing slash gadgets. I, I absolutely love just... I won these uh, ever since I was a kid. I just really enjoyed, you know, gadgets and little things that would have screens and technical um, <laughs> bits on it. And uh, <laughs> when I was at very primary school, do you remember a fax machine? I that's do, what, yeah. 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 I remember when I was maybe seven or eight, my mum would have a fax machine at home. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I saw in Woolworths, I saw a uh, file of fax. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, cool. I can send my mum a note from school and it'll print out at home little did i know that a filofax machine at the time was just a contact book so yeah. i i used yeah. to go to school and write in hey mum how are you doing i'm on break now and press save and thinking she would get it printed out at home oh. but all it was a contact book in my my yeah. little phone would just say a note saved <laughs> and getting no reply from your mum you're thinking she's no, ignoring no reply you. yeah that's it that's it they get rid of me at school <laughs> Okay, give me one thing you want to throw into the world of never seeing again, and it's not allowed to be COVID. Oh, this is one that might, hopefully a few other people will will team up on and agree with. You know when you're on a plane, and you're just like, you're looking forward to going on holiday, and you're just really relaxed, and then all of a sudden you see this stranger's toe or foot appear in the middle of your armrest. (laughs) That is one thing. I had it as an experience going away uh, two years ago, and me and Izzy were sat on the plane, just like, oh, this is nice. You know, we've we've paid for our tickets. We've got a nice experience. And then this foot, bare naked foot just comes uh. peeking through. <laughs> and it's like, it almost had the audacity to push our elbows away. Like, this is my oh, space. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> how, how so, yeah, less of it? that. Um, it was one of these, we looked at each other and it was like, right, do you want to do it or shall I do it? And I, I was like, go on, I'll do it. And just the elbow just sort of, you know, when you elbow wars with someone, yeah. you just sort of like push it back and the toe sort of got the word. <laughs> and the toe retracted. <laughs> the toe retracted. <laughs> uh, we need to bring this to a close in a minute, but for people who want to yeah. find you online, where should they go? Mm-hmm. So most of my social channels are at CPG, that's Charlie Papa Golf Photos. Okay, and that's on Instagram and... Correct, so Instagram and Facebook is CPG Photography. Mm-hmm. And what else are there? There's loads of little platforms, isn't there? There, there is a YouTube channel, but it doesn't that get updated that often. Okay. So if, if you do want to... Uh, th- this is one of the things that I'll get, day, I'll, I'll get time someday to do a vlog. Mm-hmm. I've just started uh, trying to do one every other week. Okay. So it's sort of the, the joys of where we go and what we get up to and the, uh, 
the fun adventures of. There's a lot of work involved in vlogging, though, isn't there? A lot of people don't yes. realise how much work goes into it. <laughs> That's why it's only every other week. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, look, it's been really good talking to you. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for being here today. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate you. Oh, you're more than welcome, Simon. Thank you ever so much. I've really enjoyed this. It's been such a, a lovely experience. And the main thing for me is to try and prove to other photographers and just creatives in general that you can be a nice person and be in the creative industry you can help each other grow here here i love it i love it cheers to that good man okay we'll catch up with you again soon so there we go that was casey gutteridge what an absolute nice bloke after lockdown i'm going to meet up with him i haven't told him this yet by the way and we're going to have coffee together maybe at all press in dalston casey i know you'll be listening so coffee is on me now just a reminder that you can find him at cpg photos that's cpg charlie papa golf cpg photos and to see all those celebrities on his website it's cpgphotos.com And talking of social, don't forget we've also got our own Instagram account where we share extra details of some of the people who come onto the show. So go check out 9to5photo over there. That's number nine and number five, 9to5photo on Instagram. And while you're here, if you're listening to this and you haven't followed or subscribed, then now's the time to do it. Because it means that when the next episode comes out, you'll get a teeny tiny notification to let you know that it's available because you won't want to miss that. Now, in the meantime, have a great week. Have a great shoot. Actually, when is your next shoot? Do you have something lined up soon or are you still waiting to get going? I'd love to hear from you. In fact, why not drop me an email and let me know two things. Number one, when your next shoot is. And number two, who you'd like to see on this podcast channel. Let me know by emailing simon at bonjourlondon.co.uk. That's simon at bonjourlondon.co.uk. That's my photography email address. And if you do that, then we'll invite them on and hopefully we'll see them on the show. But for now, it's goodbye and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.